already, I have depicted a floor for that project. The project that I even, as I'm talking to you now, I was just telling Pastor Tyler that when I do the submission, we, have, we always have our administrators meeting every last week of the year. When we have our meeting last week is when I will report it to the administrators. But God has revealed it to him. I will together now. Now, a thing like that makes me happy. <laughs> it makes me very, very happy. Because what I've waited for many years is what is happening among you. If you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. Someone tell me what scripture is that? Eh? What? When you seek him, if you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. Yes. Jeremiah what? 29 years. 12, you got it. <laughs> and then you will come to pray to him. Verse 12. He says you will come to pray to him. Alright? And you will seek him with all your heart. Then it says that, then you will seek him with all your heart. With you, seek, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then he said, I will be found by you. Declares the Lord. Are we all together? And I've been having, I told you that what God told me is this. If you sign on to be a disciple, we have over 300 of you on my record. But when the reality of what it is came, we are like Gideon's army. It has been scaled down. Because I think some of you may not understand what it is when you sign in for it. The Lord said that you are apostle. So that you will think on every instance of this church, what will apostle do? So apostle will come to prayer every day. Because God said, come to pray to me. So then if you are a disciple, you do the same thing. You will not come because you want to impress somebody. You come because you want to see God. You want to take care of God's business. God doesn't have any other business on earth. It's the church. And then in the house of God, you want to do anything that you think that this other apostle will have done. If apostle was here. And I tell you this, those of you who came in earlier today, you discovered that those who opened the service today, you haven't seen them before in the pulpit. Yes? If you came in early today, how many of you were here when the service started? Raise your hands. When you, when you opened the service today, today, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, you read it with them. And you were standing at the door too. Raise your hand because you were involved. Now, before we read the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, some people led you in prayer 15 minutes before the time, correct? Those who led you in prayer 15 minutes before the time, you've never seen them on this pulpit. They are members like yourself that were appointed on Thursday, isn't it? It was Thursday prayer when we had the prayer on Thursday, when the disciples came on Thursday for prayer, and then out of them I chose those who will run the church program. And the same thing in the cathedral. People were amazed. And you know, when I was, I came in in the morning, I sat over there so that I'm not here. You know, people who haven't led prayer before, conducted service before, I don't want my presence to make them feel some. I also was hiding in the room, but I was hearing their voices. And they prayed 
in line with the notes I gave you. Things I told you to read that can change you to see clearly, to hear clearly. And they read from it. They were the scriptures they used. And when they were leading the prayer, I said, thank you, God. Because there are some of us who don't know that sitting among you, every one of you sitting, the, the, you have so much potential inside you. So much potential inside you. And I'm so happy too that there are young people among there, youths who are among them. <laughs> what I'm going to do for you is that I'm going to be bringing children of 9 and 10 and 11. One of them got a gift for the best uh, performed students in the Bible school here on last Wednesday. A, a young man of 9, I think, that boy or 9 or 10. How old is your son? 12. That's very good of you. I don't know the age of my own children. Neither do I know the date of their birth. The only person I know the birth date is my wife and my daughter too because she almost uh, hit the day I was born. And the rest of them I don't know. They are, I always call their mother, how old is your son really? And she tells me, <laughs> I say, come here, <laughs> young man, how old are you? And then what's your date of birth? They tell me. I don't remember the boys, their date of birth, uh, you know. But God redeemed me, saved me that I didn't have so many of them. Just uh, three. So, but the first one, I remember because every father must remember the first child. At least that's the first miracle you had in, in your life. But the one that followed, uh, the second one is Omotito. The third one is Omokpoju. So you put a full stop on them. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> so, so, you know, I was so glad that youth are among them. And these people are faring in the Lord. Now, therefore, I'm saying this because I want to take you through further information that God has given me. If you seek God, you will find Him when you seek Him with all your heart. I don't. I, I am fed up of Christians who are full of testimony of battle, battle. I mean, the battle and the battle. When will you be in enjoyment? When will you be in victory? The Lord just told me over there to tell people. Don't talk about battle. Talk about me. That's what Jesus told me. Does it mean that we who don't talk about battle are not going through battles? We are. But it doesn't matter. Before you were conceived, there was battle in this world. You need to know that. Remind yourself that all the time. When you were in your mother's womb, there was so much battle going on. God spared your life, your faces, and you were born. Now when you were growing up, you faced many battles. The battles you faced when you were very young, they become history. Because they left at their time of expiry. The battle you are having now, even if you do nothing about it, they will soon expire. So there are some battles that come with age and come with involvement of your life. Okay, what God is saying is that don't let your testimony be a battle. Let it, let it be of the victory of the one who had fought and he had won. Are we talking now? Do I not have problems? I have problems, but my problem is no problem. Because I've lived enough on earth to see many problems solved without me even raising a hand. And so, therefore, I focus on the problems that I can solve. And the problem I can solve is impossible for them not to be solved by me. And the problem I cannot solve, then I forget about it. Let it remain there. I ignore it and concentrate on some other things. 
Now, <coughs> if you are not able to do that, what will happen to you is that the devil will hold you bound by problems and you will not be able to move ahead of life or advance in life in the areas that you should do something which you have the grace to do something to your life. And if you postpone what you can do for life, you postpone the comfort and the blessing that is attributed to it or attached towards it. And you soon come to some years now when God will bring the need for that thing. And you will see the need and you will not be able to perform because the period of years you have wasted dwelling on things you cannot solve, you will have used to equip yourself in things you can solve and they will have worked for you in the years to come, which you must face. Am I talking to somebody? These are basic principles of Jesus Christ that I found in him. Now, for you in this church, therefore, our half or 90 days, which minus 20, this is the 20th day, is this. We want to hear God. And we want to know. Now, let me remind you of the precedence of us. Someone says that, why apostle? Okay, now let me tell you. I stood in your midst in 2000 to tell you about what will happen in the next 10 years. As God revealed to me, I told you about China. And I told you that God told me that by the year 2010, China will run to 75% of world economy. But if you look at the reality on ground at that time, it was America that should, not China. Because nobody heard about much about China. The Lord told me that a power will rise up in that, as, at that part of the world, which is China. It will hold the whole world ransom on their knees, especially America and Europe will come on their knees. Then the Lord told me that when, when we came to 2004, uh, 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 2005, when um, uh, Europe began to forgive the debt of Africa, I saw a famine in Europe, and I told you that I saw a famine in Europe, and the nation that is forgiving the debt of other will become a beggar begging for money. When I said it, some people on television called me, you know, economists somewhere where in Oxford or so, and said, what are you talking about? It's not going to happen here. There can't be famine in Europe because Europe have, you know, engineering, you know, agriculture and stuff like that. And the God said to me that the reliance of Europe shall be broken. And I said, Lord, what is your reliance? He said, money is their God. He said, I will destroy it, that they may recognize me as God. And the Lord said that they will do everything they know humanly. It will fail. And you will hear them say, we don't know what to do anymore. When I told you all these things, it seemed as if somebody is just rattling. But then, of course, God didn't stop there. Two weeks before the crash... I stood here and the Spirit of God came upon me and told me the date the crash will begin in the whole world. And I announced it to you. And I said to you, sell your stock on Friday. The following Monday, you will see a crash. One of our uh, sons in the Lord, who is a senior manager, one of the top senior guys in the Citibank, you know, a white brother, told them in Citibank that, look, I'm selling my stock today because my spiritual father said on Monday there will be a crash. They laughed at him to scorn. They said, bring it, we'll buy it. And he sold his stock to his friends at good money. They came back on Monday morning and there was crash all over the world. What they bought for 10 pounds started falling, 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 and it fell to 2 pounds. He made his money. So, and the Lord told me too, which I told you, that by the following year, 
in the month of March, there will be a world meeting to deliberate. Then in the month of April, there will be another world meeting to deliberate, and the stock will begin to go up to the month of June. And by June, it will somersault again. The God said that with three recessions, listen to me, I'm telling you this for a purpose. And those things happen to later. When the recession came, and there was chaos and confusion, I said, Lord, what's going on? And the Lord Jesus took me to a classroom and showed me a board. And he said to me, son, I want to teach you what caused the economic crisis in the world. And he drew a graph before me, and he gave me two lines of graph. And he says, look at this, it's called virtual economic graph. He says, look at this, it's called actual economic graph. And I saw where the virtual economic graph hit the actual economic graph, and I saw the, what we will call in engineering the cotton field. The very month the virtual asset crashed, when it went down below the actual assets, and I saw the duration it would take before it started coming up gradually. And I, went to, 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 I, I, I came to the television, I spoke about it here, which was on television, and I received a call from a professor of economics in the Oxford University saying to me, who taught you this? And he said, this is what we have just discovered. God speaks. His servants hear. And that, that, that professor told me that you, you will never know it by any means unless it's God who told you. And God analyzed the reason for the bankruptcy or the crisis of economy in the world. And later on, we began to hear those languages in the field of economics. Now, I'm saying this because I, I want you to have your understanding why God said to me to teach you what I do so that you can follow what I do. Like, follow me closely. The 9-11, I was preaching in a church to ministers' conference one of the Sundays. And God said, by this time tomorrow, the crisis I told you in America will, will happen. He said, 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 said that a tragedy will strike America, the scale of which had never happened before. All the ministers were there. said, this time tomorrow, look at your wristwatch. A tragedy will hit America that man has not seen. It will bring all the economy of the world down. <clears throat> and God said they will never recover from it. That's why I know that America will never recover. Look at how long they have been having the zero interest rates to very low interest rates. They're just increasing it now, very low. And there's a problem because they are all very much afraid of what is going to be the reaction across the globe, whether it will cause the third recession, as God said, is coming, which will be announced. It has started, but they have kept that secret because they don't want a panic in the market. But they will soon announce it. Because it must happen. American dollar must become two, two dollars to a pound. We know that from 1990, uh, 1999, 2000. It will happen. There's nothing they can do about that. Because they have replaced God if God told us what will happen in America from here, and told us date and time when it happened, 
This year, he told us about Nigeria, the government that will replace the old government of Nigeria. God even told us that the election will not happen on February, but it will happen in March. And God told us that the new president of Nigeria for the first year, this is what he will do. The second year, this is what he will do. God told us about the next person that will rule America. Now, you know why I'm saying these things to you? You need to know why you should follow me. You need to know why you should do what I do. And you need to know why you should follow what God told me to teach you now. You can decide to go your way on earth and suffer for nothing. I have found a way. It is the Bible way. That anyone who follows that path, life will become easy for you. And these are the things that I'm teaching you in this season. I have made you understand that it has nothing to do with age. Because when I was nine, the Lord started to appear to me and take me to heaven and show me various things from the age of nine. And the things that I was taught by my fathers to do, which I was ignorant about, but I did them. Just because my father said, do it so. Those things have worked good for me that today, among ministers of God on earth, you know, <laughs> I think I'm not, among, I'm not uh, among the least of the apostles. I think my testimony is strange and not common among many of them. I want to help you understand. To heal the sick is a gift. To raise the dead is a gift. Miracles is a gift. It does not determine closeness with God. Are you with me now? How do we distinct ourselves among ourselves? Those who are close to God are people who see and hear. There is no gift of sight. Neither is there a gift of hearing the voice of God. Those ones come by a particular style of living. For God to entrust secrets into your hands is because you are a friend. If you look at the book of Genesis chapter 17, God was going to destroy Sodom from 17 to 18. And he said, shall we hide from Abraham, my friend, what we're about to do in Sodom? So Abraham did not hear from God because he was, he fasted for 70 days or 30 days. God branching his out because he is a friend. He walked with God. Not somebody praying now for something and then forgetting it. No, he's somebody who has a lifestyle. Of relationship with the father. What about Enoch? Enoch was working with God to the place whereby his physical body could not decay anymore. So when God came, one of these visits to Enoch, his friend, he says, Friend, this is interesting. This body cannot die anymore. Come on, follow me. And in the physical, he went to heaven. The glorious body that you and I will attain. In rapture, a man walked on earth and attended by God. Alright? If you look at Elijah, the teach bird in First Kings chapter 17, he just came out and said, There shall be no dew or rain except by my word. He did not fast for 40 days and 40 nights to do that. He commanded fire from heaven, he came down. He did not fast for 40 days and 40 nights to do that. So we understand the fact, therefore, that it's not by your fasting, it is by your relationship. Satan doesn't care about what you fast. Even when Jesus went to fast, you know, the Bible said the devil didn't worry. When he finished fasting, that's when the devil showed up. What made Jesus not to fall is his relationship with the Father. Not the fasting. Alright? So, we fast 
Okay? But our relationship is what determines our closeness. And your relationship with God can only be interpreted by how you handle the church of God that he had created. That's all. There is no other way. No other way. You, God has no reason to reveal deep things to you if you are not, um, if you are not a keeper of his uh, institution. If you are not a person who, who has a mind, mind full of his institution. And when I say institution, of you, 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 you. Your heart must be that everybody here fulfill destiny. And that drives you in everything you do in the house of God. Tell me, if a man does that, why God will not speak to him? Why God will not lead him? Why God will not bless his works? I told you, success is so cheap. But for those who are God's friends, so that you only befriend him, he does the hard labor. I'm going to be holding a meeting with those of you who are business people by not this week, next week, the last week of the month. Because God had put my foot into some, some very, very powerful operations on earth. Which will open door for each one of you who are willing and who have equipped yourself all these years I've been speaking. Huh? Life for you is easy if you follow the path of righteousness. Now, someone can say to me that I've been having dreams. I don't need your cock and bull dreams. The kind of dreams I want to be sent to me are dreams that God has spoken to me. Like those people who spoke. They spoke in this place, visions God gave them, and dreams. We went to cathedral who didn't have contact with them. Cathedral said the same thing, but in a different way. I will get it now. The dreams and visions you tell me are things that God has said. And you know something too? That's why I told those who come and share their dreams. Because I will not listen to you if you have an early encounter or dream. If you are not committed in the church, you are not taking care of the father's business. What dream are you telling me? It's not necessary. <laughs> it's not necessary. I will together now. Because I can't use it. I will together. When we call prayer, people I see there, they come to prayer. And I ask them, what did God reveal to you? They tell me, then I will use that. Somebody will call prayer, you didn't show up. You can't tell me that you have a dream. You didn't have nothing. As far as I'm concerned. Because God has called us to be keepers of the house. And those who keep the house are the ones that he reveals about the house to. Are we talking something correct here? Now let's go further deeper. I gave you seven rules of engagement which every one of us must follow and which we must finish following when the 90 days is over. Let's go to that very quickly. And I was zero into one. I have just 10 more minutes to finish with you this service. Our attitude of, uh, towards prayer must change, number one. Our attitude towards God must change, number two. And number three, our attitude towards sin. Do away completely with sin. Number four, our attitude towards one another must change. Number five, we must imitate Christ and follow his footsteps. Number six, we must imitate God. And number seven, we must always be heavenly 
minded. Now this morning I'll give you a hint. On the first one, our attitude towards prayer must change. Hebrew 5.7. Let's look at it very quickly. And then we'll go to the book of Luke 22 verse 39. To really understand Jesus' procedure. It says during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered all prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was what had because of his reverent submission. Now let's, I've taught you deeply about this last week. But I'll just breeze over it to go into the real practical act of it. We understand here that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered prayers and petitions with what? A loud cry. Which means Jesus prayed all the time with his heart. You must never pray without your heart praying. Somebody say amen. You know, Satan will want to bombard you with all manners of thoughts. To detract your focus when you ought to be serious before God. I will together now. So therefore, whenever you pray, pray with your heart. Sometimes we weep before God. Not all the time. But it has to come from a cry from the heart unto God. And the Bible is so clear. It says... Jesus offered prayers with loud cry. So we understand the fact that sometimes we have to pray aloud. The prayers that you pray, not loud, is maybe when you are asking God for a personal thing. You are discussing with God. Or when you are confessing your sins. When you confess your sins, you don't have to let the other person hear it. Because it's of no use to them. When you are asking God for a particular thing, you don't have to blow it out because it's of no use to the next person. But when we are standing in gap or we are praying God's will for people, for nations, and we are talking about, pray about this, pray about that, this is what the Bible says, now let us pray into this, you must pray aloud. I will teach you about the act of prayer. Anything that does not move you cannot move God. A prayer that does not move you cannot move God. Let me help you understand by your intellectual means. You know, when you study your, your, your education, you know, sometimes you read through a topic and you believe that you've known it. Yes? And when you are tested, you fail. Correct? He said, but I know it. The fact is that you only flip through it. You did not study it. I told them in um, the cathedral, I was teaching you about some things I'm learning from my new career. There is something that we've, I finished in my career. When I was being taught that by my professor, I was amazed. Really, I intend to hold meetings with all students who do law. I have cracked the knowledge of law. What to teach them and everybody who will do law with that knowledge you have first class. I've cracked it. It is, it, is, it, is, it is classified under the section called critical thinking. 
And I'm going to help teach every one of you on this because you apply to your business, you will have great success. You apply to your academics, you will fly sky high. A good number of you have been distinct in your academics. That is the process you have gone through, maybe to the fourth level. But there are five major areas that we're going to be looking into and cognitive reasoning as well. We all do this unconsciously or some part of it. But when I looked at all these philosophical teachings, they came from the Bible and from the life of Jesus. From the Bible and from the life of Jesus Christ. If we look like this one, the Bible says Jesus doesn't pray without his heart in it. You mustn't read without your heart in it. If you are not ready to, to, to read from your heart, don't read at all. Let your brain be relaxing and just stretch on the place and just close your eyes and just knock off. When you are doing that, your, your brain cells are re recuperating. But when you pray, when you learn how to pray with your heart, you will be able to do everything with your heart. And that is the bedrock of success in every and all things. For anything you do not do with your heart is temporal. And any success you will have without putting your heart in it is not the actual success you should have. Your maximum output of your life will come from Everything you do with your heart. Okay? That's the reason why Jesus doesn't do anything without his heart. Especially prayer. Of course, it says here that Jesus learned obedience and submission unto God. Isn't it? Alright then. If we now progress on that, we look at how an act of prayer... This scripture really came out from a particular act of prayer, which has been the norm of Jesus, the norm of Jesus Christ. The book of Luke 22, verse 39, isn't it? What did he say at the verse 39? Shall we read it together? Now, applying critical thinking, do you understand something from this statement? The first thing he says in this statement is that he went out as usual. So prayer must not be accidental. It should be a normal process of life. It should be a habit of a believer. When prayer becomes an instrument for you, you fail. Prayer should be like you are breathing. It should be a normal life of a believer. That scripture tells us that when we look at Jesus' practical act of, of prayer, it says Jesus went as usual, isn't it? Now look at the book of Luke 5 verse 16. And let's read together. Jesus what? Hey, 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 you know something? This is third service. I don't think you need coffee in this service. <laughs> I'm the one who should go for a coffee break. Whatever the way, and I just clap and like come back. Because this is my third service today. Alright, let's read that, that scripture with understanding. Shall we together? Jesus. Now, let me help you understand this. I told you about cognitive, cognitive reasoning and critical thinking. And I said it came up from the scripture. 
from Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Now if you look at this scripture, the first time you read it, you didn't see something there. When I said, call your attention and read it again. Then you read it with meaning. Now read it the third time and see the difference now. Shall we together? But. Now, there are two facts in this scripture which the, previ- the first one I've taught you before. The use of language and expression of speech. And those of you who are doing law need that so much to understand how judges interpret law and apply it. Those of you who are professionals need to understand how what they teach you in your class can be practically applicable to the prevailing condition of the market, like economists and accountants and all stuff like that. These things come from the Bible. Now, the third time you read this, you understand better. It says, but, condition, which means that there was something before it that I've told you whenever you see but is the act of man. So, what is the statement that comes after but, okay, means that regardless of what happens, regardless of any circumstances, but he always, no matter how busy he is, no matter how entangled with programs and stuff like that he is, but there is an habit, there is a particular habit he always does. If you miss that, you miss the understanding. Apply that to your education. You get it. Those of you who are, who are lawyers, whenever you look at the statute and you see but, or you see if, and you see and, if you can understand what and and if and but interprets in statutes, you will never miss apply the statutes. Because when you say this and this and this and this, it means that all factors must be complete for the sense to be made. When you say this or this or this or that, which means any element of it can convict a man. This is but, which means that if the but condition is not uh, 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 seen in the element, then what precedes it is not complete, not applicable. Now you understand the same thing with the Bible. Jesus has a habit. His habit is prayer. Jesus has a habit. His habit is what? Prayer. For you, I've given you how to simplify that. Jesus prayed 9. He prayed 12. He prayed 3 p.m. Acts chapter 10 tells you Cornelius prayed at 3 p.m. He saw an angel. If you read that chapter 10 from verse 12 downwards, it tells you that Peter went to the upper room to pray at the hour of prayer at 12 noon, the second day, and he saw a trance. If you read the book of Acts chapter 2, it says when the day of Pentecost has fully come, they were together in one place, and then the power of God came and all stuff. If you read it further, when they accused them of being drunk, Peter said, Hear, O Israel, this is the, nine, this is the third hour of prayer, which is 9 a.m., if you look at Jesus on the cross, he hung on the cross from 12 mid- noon, afternoon to 3. There was darkness all over. And at 3 he said, it is finished. And the cotton temple ran into 2. At the hour of prayer he went to the cross. And he died at the hour of prayer and finished the job. Now you cannot tell me that those hours have no significance. If you do that, you get nothing. How did I hear God? I look at the scripture critically. And stick to what he says 
unwaveringly, then I can hear his voice. Then I can tell American government what will happen in the next election. They don't have to believe it because it will happen. Which I've done among you several times. I could tell the Prime Minister of Great Britain that you look rosy now, in two weeks you are out of the office and it is so. Which has happened among you. Listen to me. You serve a God of the Bible who is still real of the Bible till today. But the way to it is what I'm teaching you. That's the way to it. It's not a gift. It's a matter of following the scriptures. Therefore, go back to that Luke 22, 39, and let's finish it. We understand all this? Do we understand what I'm saying? Yes? The devil is in trouble then. Jesus went often, so we understand the often unusual that prayer must become our habit. We don't go pray because of problems. Okay? Those are for babies. You know, babies will cry any problem because they can't express themselves. Ah, ah, you have to figure out why they're crying. God does that to many Christians. Unfortunately, many Christians remain at that stage. So whenever they, yeah, they put food in their mouth. Pacify. And keep quiet. Whereas some people are frying beef. They are eating spicy meats. So yeah, and the rest of them. Everyone in the world now is very spicy in it. Uh-huh. And the alligator pepper of Africa has become sought after by Americans. And some English now are now looking for alligator pepper because they saw that Africans have been eating it and these guys are so strong and, you know, they don't have many sicknesses like, <laughs> hallelujah, somebody. You know, when we went to America, my friends said to me that, do you want some pepper? I said, what? They said, chili pepper. I said, chili pepper. They said, it's very medicinal. I said, tell me more. <laughs> so they, I said, put it in my food. They put it in tea. They put it in coffee. They put it in everything. And I said, you guys, hold a break here. I grew with this pepper. We ate it raw when I was a child, you know. We don't put it in tea. <laughs> oh, they say, you don't understand. Chili pepper is so medicinal. I said, hey, you are just discovering that, eh? I said, well, you are using uh, toothbrush and toothpaste. I was using roots to wash my mouth. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> I said, my mouth, uh, it cannot fall off. My teeth can't fall off. I had a lot of calcium when I was growing up, you know. So whatever it gets with me, let's go. <laughs> God will deliver us in the West. <laughs> All our land has been contaminated. You can't have anything grow by itself. We have to help him to grow. <clears throat> so, Jesus has this habitual uh, way of life, just to talk to the Father. Just say thank you to God. Just to appreciate the Father and ask the Father about his life. He doesn't go to God and be burning devil and devil, 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 devil. None of you should do that. All these years, the whole Christians have been burning devil. The guy refused to be bound. Because it's causing trouble everywhere. Even where you bind him, he's still causing trouble. Something should tell us that we are wrong. Bind. It should be a wrong binding. <laughs> Hallelujah. If I bind you and you refuse to bind, I lose myself too. So I would rather spend my time losing myself because the devil refused to be bound anyway. <laughs> he's at large, you know. I rather spend my time praying the will of the Father and forget about the devil for a while. Of course, sometimes we, we come against his works and stuff. 
But our main prayer should be to the God, to the God we serve, ourselves and God. What are you telling me to do? What is your plan for me? Forget about those who are blocking it. First of all, you find him and the block will get out of your way. I think it's a little bit different to what many of us have, used, been, have been used to know, to, to, you know, what we are thought to know. You know, God told me, where, where am I in your mouth? When you speak more of your enemy, who did nothing to you than destroy you. What about me? Talk about me. Stop talking about the enemy. Talk about me. <clears throat> Let me know what you say about me, God said. Let me feel big too. Alright? Stop telling me about the destruction of the devil and demons. I've had enough of that. In short, talk about me, what I've done, what I've done. Part of the Red Sea, all the miracles and signs and wonders of all. Check the book of Psalm, it's full of it. And God said, you do that, you will see that happen. You talk about war, 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 you will continue to have war. Devil, 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 they will continue to mess you about. Talk about angels, then they help you. Talk about Jesus, then you see manifestation. I love to talk about Jesus. In prayer. Whenever I go to God in prayer, it's you I'm praying for. I don't pray for the devil. I don't. I do not. Because I know if you have the knowledge of God, there's nothing the devil can do. It cannot work. Nothing. If you have the knowledge of God. And that's what I spend my life, my day and night praying for you. That God will increase you in the knowledge of him. Are we together now? So, Jesus praying is for his knowledge. Now, the second thing about this is that he says, so the, he went to the mountain of olives, isn't it? And he says, and his disciples did what? What did disciples do? What did disciples do? What did disciples do? To the mountain of olives. And we know that in John chapter 12, Jesus has said that we shall no more pray on this mountain. All right? Because what? Isaiah chapter 2 said, in the last days, the top of the mountain of the Lord's temple shall be raised above all mountains and hills. So we understand, therefore, that where is your Mount of Olive? Church! Top of the, top of the mountain of the Lord's temple. So disciples of Jesus, you follow Jesus to the church. That is his mountain to pray. In this place, every day, people pray from, not, well, apart from Saturday, they pray from Monday to Friday, 6 p.m., praying for you, praying for your business, praying for your health, praying for your marriage, praying for your family, praying for your decision in life. Because they pray, God move. And you come up with testimony. Some people prayed for it. Don't you understand that those who pray for you, because they have taken the burden of Jesus Christ to pray for his church, Jesus himself will be praying for them and they will not need to pray much for their own life. <laughs> Are we together? Hmm? I said to somebody that, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I didn't see you in church. Oh, I'm just praying in my house. Your house is not church, my friend. If it was church, you would not need, <laughs> you would not need to come to this church to come and pray. One family don't form church. Many families form church. One which is a, 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 a thousand and what? Then tell me what hundred people which is. Are you a father of hundred? You, your wife with hundred children. Anybody here? 
<laughs> if that be you, I will make sure we prosecute you. <laughs> you are causing inflation. <laughs> now listen to me, therefore. I need you. You need me. When you pray, if, if both of us have to pray over the same thing, if we listen to one another, while I'm praying this way, you are praying the other way. Because the Holy Spirit will give us visions in parts. Revelations in part. And the more people praying together, the more effective their prayer is. If Solomon was in his house praying, the glory would not have come down as in Second Corinthians chapter 7, the Chronicles. But he was in the temple with others. If Zechariah was in his house praying in Luke 1, he would not have seen the angel who brought about the bath and put an end to the barrenness of his wife and brought about the bath of the one who is the foreigner of Jesus Christ. Brethren, this is the mountain. Disciples come to the mountain to pray. Then the, the fourth thing. The next verse, please. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not, what? If you pray, you cannot fall. Tell someone beside you, pray, and you will not fall. We are fed up of Christians falling like, like fowls. You know, men and women used by God, television star, money and all stuff like that. Don't worry how they got it, but they have it anyway. Suddenly, one sacked her husband. Slapped the man by the car park to the extent that camera catch them. You know that kind of thing? They are watching you. Because we are in the car park now, I can do anything I like. That is, that is strange. For a Christian born again, talk less, a minister of the gospel. Sack the first husband, sack second husband, sack, and the whole church globally are still crying their praise. I can understand. I can understand. Why should such happen? Because they are prayerless. They have gifts, they lack relationship. You know something? I read in, uh, uh, from um, uh, Testifier this morning. An Italian pastor married the second wife. Italian, I'm not talking about black pastor, I'm talking about a white Italian. No, no, listen. Because if it's a black person, we don't worry because it's always happening. If a black man, a black pastor marry two, three wives, four wives, we know that it's a norm. We're not saying that it is right, but it cannot surprise us because there are people who even did more than that. And the whole church is still singing their praise, following them. Yes. What about those who didn't marry them, but they have several girlfriends in church? We know them. Even when it's exposed, they will begin to fight against it. But people know them. As they are trying to cover it here, it's exposed in the other place. People know them. They have big mouth. They talk loud. They talk big. And deceive many. You know why? Eventually one will be exposed. He has been committing adultery for X number. That one will be exposed. If he has committing adultery for... If a minister can fall into such a simple sin as adultery, which a young Christian who have married with Christ in his mind, cannot do. 
tell me why. Jesus said, because they do not pray. Pray that you will not fall. He didn't say that pray as a, uh, 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 pray as a point that you shouldn't fall. But he's saying that the act of prayer prevents you from falling. That's that English. Interpreting that word. Pray so that you will not fall. A prayerful person cannot fall. A prayerful person cannot fall. A prayerful person cannot fall. Those of you hearing me right now, don't join those who disgrace God. Oh, because everybody has his weakness and then you fall into adultery or fornication. It's your choice. And your greed. And also, your spite. You just spite God. I don't know, well, leave God alone. Let me do my thing. And you will put yourself into something that destroys your labor of many years. In just one act. Gone. Gone. You know, God showed me a vision. Uh, uh, last week, uh, do you call the week ended now last week? Today is another day. You're asking, you're laughing. Because, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to understand the new culture that I have. Um, Brother Marvin, maybe you help me. This new culture, because, you know, for me, you know, last week is ended yesterday. But I may finish now. Some came and said, oh, no, 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 Apostle. Last week is finishing today. Another week is starting tomorrow. Now listen to me. <laughs> Somebody was discussing with me last week about, about how God told him. Sit down. And he said to him, what did I tell you about adultery? He said, Lord, flee. So the Lord now said, flee from adultery. Flee from adultery. He said, well, ah, he called his friend. Who was there? He said, did you just hear what happened to me now? He said, what? Flee from adultery. <laughs> Flee from adultery. A few weeks after, the friend came to me and said, ah, thank God you told me. Oh, do you know adultery caught up with me? I flee. I was not hearing. Flee from adultery. Flee from adultery. And the brother said to me that I myself, I told him, I also, ah, run for your life. And the Lord said to him, you do it once you die. The Lord gave me a vision. A person who did not commit the act, but was fantasizing in his mind. And because the moment Satan suggested it, and he processed it and fantasized, I saw a big serpent appeared to swallow him. And then that serpent was going for his whole body, but he managed to get his hand into his mouth. And that person was trying to pull his hand off the mouth of the serpent, but the, the, the hand glued in the mouth. And he was saying, the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And the name of Jesus was powerless. He said, I plead the blood of Jesus against you. And the blood of Jesus was ineffective. And I was standing and I said, but Lord, why? He said, because he settled it in his thoughts to commit it. He made himself vulnerable to the enemy. He says, then what? How can, what, what can he do? He said, if he can reverse his thoughts, repentance, and cut off from that thought, then he will be free from that enemy. The place where the name of Jesus cannot fight for a man 
is a man who is hanging on sin and claiming the name. It doesn't work. Some people, Christians say, but I call on Jesus. It didn't work. It's you who didn't work. The name works. But it's your habitat. You don't understand spiritual principle? That is what happened. And when the Lord showed you, I said, I would tell my members. Let everybody learn to have his own wife or her own husband. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. You will not fall if you can pray. You will not fall as you can pray. You know, I've told you this before. The people pray for me. He said, Lord, uphold them. Don't let them fall. I said, don't pray such prayer for me. If you want to pray for me, there is no prayer in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible that tells you to pray so prayer for ministers. If you want to pray for me, pray for me that God should put his word in my mouth all the time. So that when I open my mouth, God will give my word credence. So that the word that will come out of my mind will be the truth that will help you. That will heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out devils. But for falling is a decision of man. And Jesus said, number one thing to do not to fall is to be a prayer person. Temptation can be overcome when you are prayerful. Even when people intend to come and lure you into sin, because you are prayerful, when they come around your environment, their mind will change. They won't be able to alter it because you gather the presence by praying. I will gather now. The last verse, and we'll stop this afternoon. What did he say? He withdrew. Ah, excuse me, excuse me. This is third service. Let's read it together. One, two, go. He. What's the key thing in that verse? Nail down and pray. Nail down and pray. That is what Bible is saying there. Not this stone throw he withdrew. He nailed down and prayed. Now, you know what? When last did you kneel down before your God? Hmm? There is prayer with pre standing, which is warfare. Alright? You wake up in the morning, you want to thank Him for the day. Go to your knees. Don't stand and say, God, I worship you. And that's it. First worship on your knees in reverent submission, with your head to the earth in reverent submission, or your belly flat on the ground. And you wake up. Ascribe greatness to the God our rock. For he is perfect and all his ways are just. The God of faithfulness without injustice. Good and upright is he. Let your heart worship God. You saw some people came to the altar and was rolling on the altar. It's an art of worship. That's how Hebrew worship Yahweh. Every night before you go to your bed, kneel down before him. Thank him for the day. When you want to sleep, don't think of anybody to sleep. I always say to my wife when we, we have to sleep in the night, good night. When I say good night, the meaning of that is that if you see me talk tomorrow, then we will talk. Because one day, good night, I will go forever. Okay? So when I tell my wife when we are on bed, there is no I love you after sleep. You love me only when I'm still 
not sleeping. But when you finish, I love you, I love you, thank you God, bless you darling, good night. Good night means, forget it, I will then carry Bible. The last one I must think about is the word of God. When I'm going to bed, I cannot think of my wife and I tell my wife, don't think of me. When you go to bed. Because both of us are going to journey where if you call my name there, I don't know. I can't help you. If I also call your name where I'm going in that journey, you can't even hear. Maybe that's the time you are changing the gear of your sleep. And I'm facing some terrible stuff. So therefore, for me not to have nightmares. Okay? Because you see, some of you, in, you I pass through the stage to myself. There was a stage in my life that I was like that, where you can't just stop thinking. It happened to you too. I didn't hear you now. Or oh, I'll punch you and tell you what your thoughts last. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, you just want to focus your mind, you couldn't. You are just overwhelmed by all these nasty things happening around you. The more you try to stop thinking, the more it's coming back. You rebuke it, it rebuke you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I say, God, deliver me. And God is looking at you. I say, son, figure it out. I, say, I will not think about it again. And then you keep focusing. After a few days, he came again. He said, no, the Lord rebuke you. He came stronger again. He said, he came again. And then he said, sit down. I began to think about it for some time. Mm, and then the Holy Spirit said, now think something. Else. All right. The Lord rebuke you. You will pass that stage in Christianity. Okay. So if you are passing through that stage, don't feel that, you know, devil is... It's not devil, it's human. You are passing through the stage where you are training your human spirit to submit to the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 16. Alright? But this is it. When you go to bed, therefore, because your mind have wandered here, and wandered there, and wandered there, some of you are still in the shore of malice. Huh? And you go to bed and you're malice. Uh, somebody offended me and you think an offense to sleep? Uh, no wonder you have nightmares. Uh, someone didn't treat me well. And that's what you are thinking to sleep. You made a deal and you lost money. Then you are thinking about that to sleep. Oh, they gave you a letter of rejection and interview. You prayed to God. You fasted for it. You expected you believed. Even you have prophecy about it. And then you failed. They rejected you. And then you are now thinking that, ah, where is God, by the way? And that's what you made to sleep. Now, all those areas of thoughts, if a man can sleep with such thoughts, then you have nightmares. Because your mind is disturbed. I would be together now. So, therefore, to sleep, you have to make sure the last thing you look is the Word of God. A verse in the Bible, not reading many Scriptures. When you read ministry, you find that verse. Wow! And you dwell on that verse. And that verse should not be a verse of, you know, um, contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Take hold of shit and buckler and slaughter them and may they be dark and slippery. And the angel of the Lord pursuing them may they sleep and fall. <laughs> don't, don't, don't read that kind to sleep. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Because it's much people don't want to do that. Are we together? If you are reading about battle, 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 when you sleep, what do you expect? People will just arise and you begin to fight. It is fight round two. And you keep on fighting. 
They keep on chasing you when you have said that the angel of God should pursue them. And they, they have not pursued them. And they came back and said, who is it? Who did it? It was in, ah, now let us go. And then they begin to attack you. Don't talk about that. Think about the promises of God. Think about the beauty of God. Think about how merciful God is. Think about his wonders of old. Think about his covenant and his promise. And you sleep with that. Nightmare will stop. I guarantee you. You know what you think into your sleep has a lot of power in your mind. Don't think about the problems you couldn't solve before you slept. If you're a student and you are writing and you go stuck, okay? You know, it's always easy for you to go to bed and begin to think about all what you wrote and where you stuck. No. No. Think about Jesus who can take you in your dream to what you wrote and show you what to do? I would together now. A lot of you have had encounters of that. But you cannot have spiritual revelation unless you think about it. So that it, it overwhelms your mind when you are going to bed. So, practice the act of kneeling down before the Lord. Don't go on the road and kneel down. I begin to pray, to pray on the road. Yeah, yeah, I've seen people do that. That is hypocrisy. Okay? If you are praying on the road, really don't let your mouth move. So that some people will think that you are out of your mind. Okay? Because I've seen people that were going, they say they are doing prayer work. And when they are coming, even the Christian sees them, he didn't know they are praying. He thought, ah, this one, far from the madden crowd, they cross the road. <laughs> and you can be saying that your prayer is chasing all the demons. It's not demons. The guy just felt that something is wrong upstairs. <laughs> you kneel down in your home. In church, you can kneel down. When you come in to pray in the church, you can kneel down and pray. In your home, you can kneel down and pray. If you're in any closet, you can kneel down. In your office, when your members are there, don't do that. Because it's, it will appear hypocrisy like the Pharisee. Go to a secluded place and speak to your God. A place where nothing can hinder your thoughts with God. But honor God by kneeling down. Sometime. Every day. Make sure you do so. You do these things... The word of the Lord will come to you like Jeremiah chapter 2. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 1, 4 and 2. When he began to tell him that though you are a young boy, but I will use you to scare people. Future will be revealed to you by God himself. And this is what we are going to look at today about changing your prayer attitude. <laughs> To that of Christ. God's willing, when I come back again, we'll go into further into prayer because that one is very, very much, you know, is something that is that really matters a lot. We will resolve this and then we'll go into other rules of engagement about your attitude towards God, your attitude towards Jesus, your attitude towards man, your attitude towards sin your attitude towards the Word of God, so that every one of us can go through the whole 
rules of engagement, and we hear clearer and better. Let's stand up on our feet.